Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inside Curling, show number 23 of the season. Thanks for joining us uh, with our two World Curling Hall of Famers, of course, Kevin Martin and Warren Hansen. Also, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, Canadian Curling Hall of Fame, and World Curling Hall of Fame. You guys were, were taking down the Hall of Fame, so the two of you. Uh, <laughs> we want to fully recognize all our sponsors, Sports Interaction, who brings you what's happening around the curling world, Nestle Boost, the sponsor of our mailbag segment, and Coyote Tractor brings you Hot Rock Topics, and Goldline is with us each and every week and on our special shows, and they bring you in the house. And we've got a great guest coming up shortly. Here's what's on the show in the house. We're going to talk to the reigning Briar champion, EJ Harnden. Can't wait for that. Mailbag. We've got one to uh, talk about. Everyone seems to be a little upset when they show too much of one team. Uh, we've talked about this, and we need to straighten everybody out about that. Why is Jennifer Jones showing all the time? Why is Jennifer Jones showing all the time? What's happening around the curling world? The Briar ended on Sunday. We're going to review that great event, a uh, good turnout on the weekend. Uh, the rest of the week, I'm not sure how it went. Also, we're going to review our selections. Uh, do we really have to do that? <laughs> the World Wheelchair Championships and the World Mixed Doubles concluded in Richmond last Sunday. We're going to give you our winners there, a quick update. And, of course, the women's Scotty's champion, Carrie Anderson, is on her way to Sweden. And is anybody going to stop her? It's the pinnacle, baby. And uh, we're all going to be behind her uh, watching that. Hot Rock Topics, a lot of hot rocks. A lot of hot topics at the Briar. Uh, there was chat about the 10 end game, the playoff system, the future of the residency rule, and how many teams should be in the Briar, et cetera. So we're going to talk about some of those. I know uh, I was talking to Warren last night. I said, we've done this before. He said, I know, but you had this massive outpouring of, of reaction to a post that you put up, Warren, and uh, it won't go away. You know, curling fans are critics, man, and uh, they want some changes, so... We're going to have to talk about that. Okay, in the house, one of our favorite spots brought to you by Goldline Curling. Goldline Curling is proud to be the founding partner of United We Curl, a nonprofit focused on expanding diversity in curling. Learn more at unitedwecurl.com. Good for them. Well done. What an event it was, uh, the Briar. Congratulations to London and uh, congratulations to Team Gushu. And our guest today is reigning. Briar champion 2023, EJ Harden joins us this morning. How are you, EJ? Congratulations, man. How's it going? Doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. Boy, you're pretty calm, man. For a guy who just knocked it out, eh? That's, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> Still mentally and physically exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I think more than anything else. But yeah, it feels amazing. 10 years between the first one and this, this second one. So it's, it was getting to the point where I wasn't sure if, <laughs> if it was going to happen again. So pretty pumped about that. 14 Briars you've been to. Uh, and I'm guessing your first one was with your dad. Yeah, 2008 with my dad and my brother, and Brad Jacobs was actually our fifth. Oh, cool. This was neat. Uh, Matt Dunstone's team has your brother on it, Ryan. Fantastic story. The week was terrific. The last game was down to the final rock. I mean, you guys scored three there late, but they came back and got a deuce. Talk about the final game, first of all, and, and then right to the end where uh, you guys raised the trophy. I think the one two that we played matt and the, and the guys and that was one of the better games i think i've been a part of in quite some time felt very similar we talked about it after to the trials final actually we had against when i was with team jacobs against team gushu in the trials final where it came down to the you know the last shot and usually in in finals sometimes you have one team that comes out and plays really well and the other team you know 
unfortunately doesn't. That was my experience. And it's nice when you're on the other side of it. <laughs> in 2013, when we played Jeff in the final, it was a little probably anticlimactic. This one was not that. I, I, again, both teams playing really well and, and Brad and, and, and ourselves having to draw the forefoot for the win. And then the eighth end, really for me, I felt comfortable and confident the whole time, but it was tight back and forth again until we were able to score that three and eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was probably the first time in that game where I'm like, okay, we're close. (laughs) Uh, But then they scored a deuce in in nine. And and again, being able to make that nice shot to win the Briar, that was pretty special. And then the crowd there with the energy was unbelievable. It was pretty special. Yeah, record-setting Briar for Brad, fifth win. And then I read a little something, because I love to give Kevin a little shot once in a while that (laughs) I think that game broke a three-way tie between Kevin and uh, Russ Howard for the most games won at a Briar. So, uh, once again, Martin, you're uh, you're down. You're off the podium. Uh, down we go. Uh, <laughs> Brad is just a, you know he's been a household name for for as you have been for a long time. What separates Brad Guju from these other teams, uh, EJ, that you played on? The level of precision and detail, especially on the technical side, um, in terms of just wanting to be able to throw the rock the exact same shot after shot, time after time making sure that all of us as well are, are doing the same thing. And I think the level of detail and, and precision uh, that he brings to every piece of the game, uh, definitely from my standpoint, you know, now being on the other side of it, you get an understanding of how they've been so consistent. Mm-hmm. They've been, you know, dominant and I've been a part of dominant teams as well, but the level of play that they bring to every single game and every single event, you know, now it's, you get an understanding of where that comes from. And then I think, you know, just like his passion for the game, his ability to make big shots under pressure. I mean, I got to see that now on the, one of the biggest stages at the Briar and having to make that draw to the forefoot. And you could kind of just sense the calm in him. I'm sure he didn't feel that inside. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. The level of detail and precision that he brings to the game and then his ability to make those big shots under pressure time after time and just his passion and, and love for this game and, and wanting to continue to be at the very top. It's it's pretty pretty special to be a part of. The obvious here before I bring in Kevin is uh, your brother Ryan was on the other team. Uh, strange, weird, uh, fun, uh, not fun. <laughs> Were, were you guys chatting at all during the game? Uh, talk about that and that whole experience and, and, and what it was like. Yeah, we never chatted throughout the game. Not much. We talked all throughout the event uh, through text. He even grabbed me a coffee one morning and <laughs> I went and grabbed it from him in, in his room. Um, so there's lots of conversation, even to the point where, you know, when they won uh, the semifinal against Botcher, I sent him a text right after and said, congrats, I'll see you in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of how it was, like, I didn't love it. I'm not going to joke with him. Not now anyways, maybe at a later <laughs> point in time. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was different, right? Ryan and I have competed with one another and on the same side of, of everything for 14 years. We're brothers. We're really good friends as well. So it was it was a little different and something that was hard to do, not in the moment, because I was able to just focus on the performance and wanting to to play at my potential for myself and our team and, and win. Um, but before and after was was tough. But 
Again, if I had the choice, obviously, to, to be on the winning side or not, I want to be on the winning side. <laughs> and, that, and so the, the focus was there. And at the end of the day, too, it was a perfect scenario regardless of, of how hard it was, because if it wasn't going to be myself and our team winning it, uh, you know, I wanted it to be Ryan and his team and, and be able to cheer for him as well. So it was hard. But for both of us, I think, you know, if we were able to pick the scenario, this is the scenario we would have picked. Well, you know what? One thing that I thought was weird, AJ. Well, first of all, congratulations yeah, and, thanks so and thanks. You know, I sent out a text to you. I think the big dog. You know, these guys yeah. they win like that. They might just ignore you. They might yeah. they might not want to come on. But but thanks for doing that. Um, one thing that was weird for me was, uh, you know, obviously I played against you and watched you and Ryan for years and years and years. But you were wearing Newfoundland colors. And Ryan was wearing Manitoba colors, and yeah. you guys have always worn Northern Ontario colors every yeah. well forever. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? You guys must have had some good laughs about that because how weird. Yeah, it was a little different. I mean, this we had the Newfoundland colors on, but we were Team Canada. They both have the you know the red and white. So yeah, I think it would, that was a bit different for both of us. That was fun. The support though uh, that we receive and now being a part of that is incredible. I had people coming up to me, you know, at the airport and people coming up after the briar and, you know, and uh, in the, in the, how many people stayed back to, to congratulate us in the stands and people in the airport yesterday, all, all from Newfoundland and Labrador and just the, the passion that they have for this team um, and for their province. It's pretty cool and pretty special to be a part of that. But yeah, Ryan and I had a little bit of a chuckle when we saw each other, you know, him and the Manitoba colors, me and in the Newfoundland and Team Canada colors. It was different, but it was, it was fun. I can't wait to see your family when they have the jacket that's, yeah. that's half, <laughs> half Manitoba, and half, yeah. half Newfoundland. Yeah. yeah, that'll be pretty, pretty classic. Because, yeah. of course, your, your, your dad and uncle played so many yeah. Briars themselves. All over the Ontario. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, Brad, you're talking about what he's good at and stuff. And one thing that I think he leads the pack with right now, and that's including, you know, Bruce Maud and, and Nick Adine, who are fantastic, obviously, is controlling the hammer. And when Matt rolled too far in the 1-2 game, that's where I said, uh-oh, Matt might not know it, but that, that roll might cost you the briar. And sure enough, in the final, the, the score, high-scoring game. But the control of that hammer, your thoughts on Brad's ability to control the brick? I was trying to think of a few things. That definitely is one of them, just his IQ for the game. Because even going back, you know, as a competitor, we always talked about, it's like, you almost feel like he can outsmart you. Um, and that has been, again, really interesting to be on the other side of it and, and see it from within. I 100% agree with you. His ability to, to control the hammer, but his IQ that contributes to that uh, as it relates to the game, is second and not 100%. So one more question, and I'll send it over to Warren. Um, when when Brad came as a fifth with it, to the trials with us, and I got to the opportunity, like we'd played against each other a ton, but not really as teammates sort of thing, and, and some of his practice um, methods, Brad always worries about, say, a regular ice, a touch more, touch less, foot here, foot there, uh, to be able to feel what back eight is, be able to feel what back 12 is, a back line. And back for Brad, back eight and back 12 and back line are different. Those are not the same weights, whereas a lot of people just will either your T-line, back four or back line. So I guess the drills um, or how long it took you to catch on to that system, because I don't remember Brad Jacobs ever w worrying to that degree. 
Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, part of what I alluded to earlier that goes into just his precision and detail that he brings to every piece of the game. And that was a big part of it was being able to feel that difference between, you know, back four, back eight, right. And so back line, the hack, uh, normal board, all even all up, all the way up to our hit weights and, and doing different drills. We now I use speed traps way more than I ever did before using video, using laser, never really. And then different draw drills to get that weight where, you know, sometimes we actually play a game to make it fun is like I compete against him and we each have take turns picking different spots in the ice and whoever can put it on that spot, the closest gets, a, you know, the other person gets a letter or utilizing the, the speed traps again from a draw perspective to be able to draw in between halfway and just over the hog line back four, top four all over the place right so the level of detail and precision that he brings to the game and now that i've been part of and, and and starting to integrate into my game has been really helpful that was a big thing in terms of again not that i can't perform at at that level and i've done that for a long period of time but it's how consistently um, and it has taken a little bit of time. I'm not quite, quite there in terms of, I think, where I like to be, but I think I'm definitely getting closer. And for everybody listening, um, speed traps, you mean kind of a timing mechanism yes. where when the rock crosses the first of the two speed traps, the clock starts, and then at the second one, and it's always hog to hog? Yeah, yeah, we use it both we, for draws. Sometimes we'll use split times, but more often than not, we're using hog to hog. And then hits, uh, obviously, as well. So, I mean, again, not just saying you're going to throw a board, but we have a time that we want to be able to throw to achieve that board weight. And then it's, you know, continuing to, to make sure that you're getting that muscle memory really ingrained. Because even to the point with Brad, I can tell him a split time and it's, it's like it's locked in there. Like he just knows what that is. Great. Well, congratulations again, EJ, and thank you for joining us. Let's talk a bit about uh, some of the conditions in last week's Briar. Let, let's first talk about the stones. And it's become sort of a custom now that the stones are sand before the event starts, and now they're starting to sand them halfway through. We heard a lot of comments about the fact that before they did it, the ice was straightening. What, what's your thoughts and feelings about that whole process being done in the middle of the event? Do you think it's necessary? Uh, do you like it? What's your thoughts? Uh, I don't mind it. My biggest thing is, is as long as the competitors are aware as to what's happening, I'm okay with it. I traditionally, like, I mean, <laughs> I've only now played in so many finals over the last years. So it was nice to be back in one at the Briar. Uh, but the same for the slams. I, I think, you know, as the week goes on, the ice definitely does get a little bit straighter. I like having that little bit of extra curl there. Uh, so I'm totally okay with it. How much difference would you see from uh, before and after? And that was the other, the, the other thing is like, as long as it's nothing too different, I only saw maybe a difference of a foot, maybe two uh, of curl. And again, there isn't a single game before and after that we aren't talking to the ice maker. And we're going up and having those conversations, you know, to get an understanding of any, of any differences with ice temperature, with air temperature, with pebble that you're utilizing, how much you've nipped. And then how much did you touch up the rocks? It's like one thing to say, oh, the rocks were, were touched up or sanded, but it's like, what sort of grit did you use? Like, you know, like, did you push and pull on it? That sort of thing. Like, we, as long as there isn't anything too drastic, then I'm okay with it. I didn't see much more than a foot or two. Even still, like, as it got to the final, it was actually a little bit straighter, I found, in the final than it was in the opening weekend. So if they didn't do that, we would have saw even less curl. So I was cool with it. 
Let's talk a bit about the actual uh, structure this year as well. So I think for the first time, the teams actually had a day off in this draw and and somewhere along the line. Do you like that? Do you like having that day off or would you prefer to be curling every day? I mean, ideally, I'd love to play one game a day. However, having said that, with the Briar and and an event of that magnitude, it is nice to have more of a mental break than anything else. So it was nice. We were able to kind of relax and get together as a team and and enjoy off the ice as, as well. Um, so I, I was good with it. But I, I mean, if in an ideal state, I'd love to play a, a game a day versus having a full day off in the middle of an event. So now you're going into the Worlds, another marathon, 13 countries, <laughs> 12 game round robin, and then playoffs, which is a, a, a tough go. At the world level, however, there's no tiebreakers versus Canada has one round. Do you like that or do you not like that idea of no tiebreakers? Oh, yeah, I'm torn on this one. I know it's an easy answer, but... I don't like seeing a, a team eliminated with the same record. For me, I'm more on the side. It's like you have an understanding of what you're getting into. So there shouldn't be any excuses or sort of too much complaints thereafter. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to play w- under whatever rules are in place. And, and then I'm going to train and be mindful as to what those rules are and, and how to make sure that we're going to optimize and be as efficient as possible to ensure that we're in that situation. We're in the, on, the, on, the, on the better side of it. You played in the Worlds in 2013. You uh, won the gold medal in Olympics 2014. Now it's 2023. How different do you see the whole world structure right now with the ability of the teams and quality of the teams now versus what it was back in 2013, 2014? Not even comparable. It's nowhere near what it is now, um, where you literally don't have a game off. Take Italy as a prime example. Like, look how strong that team is, and how quickly they've they've risen up the the world rankings, winning slams, you know, being in playoffs all the time. And then Scotland's and Nick's only gotten stronger from where he was years ago. Switzerland, the same thing. Like, literally, there's there's a few countries that maybe you know aren't as strong as some of the top ones. I mean, that's to be a given. But I would say the same thing on, you know, on, on our side at, at the Briar. And that definitely holds true um, for the Worlds. Definitely a lot more than, than what it was when I went in 2013 and then the Olympics in 2014. Um, the competition is intense. First of all, EJ, what's it stand for? Can, can finally someone tell me? Eric Jr. Eric Jr., there we go. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured that. I figured it was Eric for sure. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions. One is, how do you handle uh, nerves? Uh, you know, when you watch those briars and, and those big events and down in the hack, final end, uh, you know, the, squeezing the rock a little too tight, you'll hear from guys, you know, they let it go a little early and oftentimes it'll be, well, you can see nerves drifting in there. You can see nerves drifting in there. How do you handle it? I think I try to just go back to the basics, which is like throw the right weight and hit the broom. Right. Like you don't worry about the outcome. It's more on fundamentals as to what's required to make the shot, which is throwing the right weight and and hitting the broom. And it sounds simple, but hitting that broom, splitting the stick, as my dad would say, for me too, I do a lot of self-talk, reiterating the the weight to myself mentally that I want to throw, put some perspective and ground myself uh, to say like, this isn't any different than, you know, some of those throws that I would have executed in practice. Just trying to, again, to, to eliminate sort of your mind getting too far ahead of you and trying to just ground myself and bring myself back a little bit. Uh, there, there is going to be some talk in this show coming up. You hate to ask a guy about, should there be changes in the game when he just won the national championship? You just go, <laughs> I, I think the game's okay, man. You know? Um, yeah. But there is going to be some talk. Unfortunately, curling fans are big critics. 
you know, uh, of the stuff, and they keep you honest. And and there was some response, uh, certainly through our Facebook page, that had people saying that the event is too long itself, uh, that's killing them. When are they going to go to eight ends? When when are they going to fix the residency rule? When are they going to fix the the wonky playoff format? Those, those kind of three or four things that we're going to end up speaking about today. And if you're okay about responding to it, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on, say, those three or four things. Sure. Yeah, without going into too much detail, like eight ends, I like. I think it helps speed up the game. I think it's good for viewership. Uh, to keep people engaged. So I think for the game itself, it, it's a positive. Playoffs definitely need to be looked at. I, I definitely think there's need for some change there mm-hmm. as it relates to the format. Residency, my sort of viewpoint is our entire season, right, is is made up of so many different events. And the Briars one event of so many. I think it's interesting that one event throughout the entire season dictates how teams are formed that I think there's lots of positives as to why residency should be reevaluated. And then even thinking about it from an Olympics perspective, right? I mean, I think there's some, some change that should be made or, or, or at least looked at there. There's one change that needs to be made in your life, my friend. Okay. What's that? The world's. All right, you've won everything. You've won, <laughs> yeah, okay. you've, you've I won know. everything. Okay, now believe me, I thought about that. Too. One to go. Uh, Way to go, thank Jimmy. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that a boy. Welcome, welcome to the show, EJ. He's he's not wrong. You look at his record and everything he's he's won. I run out of data, man. It's like fourteen thousand briars he's been to, eleven jillion slams. You know, he's played with his dad, his brothers. He's won everything, and I went. Oh, I've got some dirt on my thing. It must be a gold, but oh no, it's a silver. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the world. So uh, good luck there, uh, EJ. Th- thanks, thanks a million, so man, for coming on. And uh, uh, you, you're, I know you're going to do us, do us proud. And uh, uh, I, know, I know what it means to you. I've, I've heard you talk before about representing Canada and stuff and, uh, you know, through yeah. the Olympics. So good luck, my friend, and uh, go get them, Tiger. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, EJ. Thanks for having me. Thanks, GJ. Good luck. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks so much again. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Uh, so there we go, Kev. I sure like that guy. I, I did a double take, 14 briars. Uh, lots in his family, lots to say. Uh, sure seems to have his wits about him, Kev, for a high-level guy. Yeah. Yeah, EJ's just a, he's a really great guy. But, uh, you know, it comes from a family of all curlers, like just a curling bunch. And uh, both him and his brother, Ryan, fantastic players. And kind of weird to watch them not on the same team. <laughs> but but you know what? They'd... They both did well, and just somebody has to win, somebody has to lose, and, you know, that's the way it goes, and EJ gets to go to the Worlds, and Ryan will be cheering him on, and uh, had Ryan a one, EJ would have been cheering him mm-hmm. on. So, all good. Uh, great to have a chance to talk to EJ, though, so so quickly after the, the championship win, and it'd been a long wait for EJ, 10 years, so that's, he's earned it. Warren, he's going to be 40 years old coming up this month. You curled. Uh, I, in fact, I saw your 74 championship picture the other day, Warren. You haven't changed a bit. 
<laughs> Hair's a little uh, different color. <laughs> uh, the sweaters were good. The stre- sweaters were strong, man. Oh yeah, the sweaters were. Yeah, were they great. were very good. What uh, do, does do you, do you see forty plus year old guys warned having to slow down, or is this guy just starting to whip along? He's on a fantastic team. Um, what 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 do you think about that? As that he's he's late in curling life, isn't he now at forty? Well, maybe, maybe not. I think it very much depends. It's very individual. I think it depends on your physical situation. Any kind of injuries that are continually bugging you can be an issue if if you're not dealing with that. And I think the big one is mental. You've got to still have the desire and the and the burning urge to go out there and play and win. And that's probably the biggest one. Uh, you can always overcome most physical problems, but it's the it's the burning desire to go out there and and really want to go at it. And my comment always was. Uh, from my own point of view, when you lose and a half hour later, it doesn't matter, then it really doesn't matter. And I think that's the big challenge. He's got to be able to continue to get up mentally yeah, to, right. to participate. He's a big guy. He's in good shape. So if he wants to, I'm sure he can put in a few more really good years. Good point by you. Well, not how you handle the wins, but how do you handle the losses? Uh, separates the, the men from the boys. Uh, don't panic. We're going to talk about all those topics about the briar and what, what people are saying about it. However, let's get to the mailbag. Brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. This is from Zach. I notice in the group that people are complaining about Jennifer Jones being shown too much at the Scotties. I have the understanding that she would be a big draw for TV since she's one of the best and greatest girls of all time. However, I see this as an overexposure problem. However, we have top teams, some young guns that could use some television exposure how would you guys make sure that the top teams were shown at the Scotties and Briars without overexposing Jones or Guju? As I fear that this could hurt TV ratings. My guess is you are completely wrong here, Zach. Uh, that it doesn't hurt ratings, but let's go to our let's go to our two experts. Uh, am I wrong there, Warren? Like the reason you see the Toronto Maple Leafs all the time, man, is because that's where the population is, uh, and that's who everyone wants to see. What do you say about Zach here, Warren? It's all about numbers. This entire situation is about numbers. And it's really interesting, the comments that we see and that we get about the fact of wanting to see this team or wanting to see that team. And it's funny, I really don't see that in other sports. I mean, primarily, for the most part, uh, people want to see the the well-known players. I know if I go to the Masters 10 years ago, I wanted to watch Tiger Woods because he was the best. Uh, I wasn't interested in following somebody around 18 holes who was... uh, number 105 on the on the ranking list. Um, and, and I think it's the same thing here. So I think you've got to work your way up the ladder. You've got to earn your right to be in that spotlight. And the people, when they get there, uh, they deserve to be in that spotlight. So they're the ones who should be getting it. And, and it's all, it's money related to all these people as well. I mean, those top teams, uh, the number of television hours they get very much is going to be reflected upon the sponsorships they, they have. And so the young ones, they've got to fight their way to the top. And uh, I can't explain any sense from that. It's numbers, and uh, whoever's going to get the best uh, television numbers are the team they're going to want to show. All right. Uh, I agree, by the way. Um, Kev, what do you think? doesn't matter what sport you, uh, you watch. It's, uh, it's always you want the best against the best. Mm-hmm. That, that, in my opinion, that, that's what I want to mm-hmm. watch. Um, I don't think I'm uh, – well, I was just going to say, I don't think I'm odd in that way. Eh. Most people would say I'm a bit odd, but maybe You're not odd. unusual. <laughs> yeah, not unusual in wanting to watch the best play the best, and Brad Guju included. Um, it's just fun because you don't know what 
Somebody like Jennifer Jones, one thing I appreciate about her is the, the more intense and difficult the game, the better she plays. Mm-hmm. Maybe early in the event, she might come out and not play that well because she just hasn't got those juices flowing yet. But boy, oh boy, the last weekend, mm-hmm. there's nobody more fun to watch in women's curling in Canada than, than Jennifer. And, and you know who's taking over that, those reins is Carrie Anderson. Mm-hmm. So it won't be Jennifer in a few years. It'll be Carrie. Right. And, and, and we'll be getting emails going, why are they showing Anderson so much? Right. And then, but then there's somebody behind her that's going to take over. We don't know who that is yet. But that's all just sport. And, and to Warren's point, you earn your stripes. And once you're there, enjoy it. Because guess what? There's a young person coming along that's going to knock you off that, yeah. <laughs> off that mountain. And then uh, they carry on. And that's, that's just the way it is. And it's the way it should be. I'm a big fan of golf, right? Con- We've got a good crop of Canadians on the PGA Tour this year. You know, Adam Hadwood and Corey Connors, Svensson, uh, you know, and, and, and three or four other guys, right? And I scream at the TV going, could you not show a Canadian here once in a while? Could you not show a Canadian? And the answer is no, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to do it. <laughs> they're going to show you Scotty Scheffler, right? So that's what I believe is the answer, Zach, and that's what our, our two lads believe is the answer as well. Uh, so there you go. What's happening around the curling world? Sports Interaction, our sponsor. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. Uh, I did, fellas, and lost. Uh, you got to be 19 years old or <laughs> older, and you got to be in Ontario. And please play responsibly. Well, that Brad Goose, you made the playoffs, <laughs> Jimmy. Who would have thought <laughs> it? Listen, I'll tell you what you guys forgot, and uh, I'm very glad. We did the interview uh, with with EJ, of course, who's on Goose's team, and you guys forgot to get in there and go, hey, uh, EJ, why don't you ask Jimmy how he thought your team was going to do it? I am getting absolutely smoked on Twitter, by the way, for my picks. So <laughs> So many people sending, who would pick yeah. Gushu not to make the I playoffs? Know. And I keep, I get back to them saying, it's Jimmy. It's yeah. Jimmy, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, too, I do the same thing. Well, Jim's just having fun. Don't take Good it seriously. Good for you, Mark. Good for you. Uh, yeah, I was. Except he does better. No, I did so. <laughs> well, because I like the odds, right? I like the, I like the, I like the odds. They give. Anyway, Briar in the books, Kev. Uh, give us your wrap. Well, I thought it was a really good briar. The The final weekend, I think, was excellent. Lots of energy. The crowd was, well, it was a packed crowd. It was a sellout. Um, great games. The last four games, you, you just couldn't help but enjoy mm-hmm. them. Lots of drama, great curling, terrific shots. Matty Dunstone putting on a show. Um, it, was, it was really, really good. From a length of, from the briar, though, Jim, I didn't really start watching it much until the last weekend. Mm-hmm. I watched a little, of course, watched Carrick mm-hmm. whenever I could. But a lot of the games are blowouts uh, early. They, they really need to have a good look at it as a whole event. Um, it, the, the last weekend, it, it was fantastic. It really, really mm-hmm. was. But in the middle part, oh boy, um, so many blowouts and just hard to watch. So I, I, don't, I, I don't want to be too hard on it because it was so mm-hmm. good at the mm-hmm. end. But there's, there's definitely some shortening of that event. Somehow they've got to, you know, shorten that by quite a few days, not by one day, but many days. And let's let the cream rise to the top a little quicker because, you, you know, you would have bet early the final six teams. Uh, you've got Dunstone, Cooey, Botcher, Guji. Mm-hmm. Four teams is a lock right. to get in the final six. And now, you know, there's Horgan and Carruthers. Which one? You know, and, and it, they're pretty even. And then on the other group, you've got McEwen and then maybe Sturmay or Aslan. Mm-hmm. 
And that was kind of it. And in the end, uh, McEwen beat Cooey to get into the into the final four. That was the only, if you want to call it a surprise, but it's Mike McEwen. He's really good. So you know what I mean? Like, so you, you're playing this whole, whatever it was, 10, 11 days, and you're not really shuffling the the proverbial top four or six. Right. It's, it just falls where they may. So, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it, mm-hmm. Jim. Uh, London did a heck of a job, and they should be really happy with what they did. Um, but there's some there's some problems here that need to be dealt with. Yeah, if it's not long enough, uh, they gave everyone a day off just to lengthen it a bit. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Warren, I get you might have a thought or two on this. Well, I have a lot of thoughts, but I won't uh, <clears throat> I won't prolong them right now. I think again, I support what Kevin said. The curling the last four days was phenomenal. It was fantastic, and uh, man, if you could do that for. Uh, for the full day, 10-day period, it would be something to watch. I think, again, it was very clear. There's kind of three divisions uh, with the event. There's a top tier, maybe about six teams. There's a middle tier, maybe about another six teams. And then there's a bottom tier. And they're very distinct lines. The, the bottom has no chance of qualifying for the final six or four, I think, without question. The middle tier has some right. chance. But if they did get into that final bunch, uh, how well would they do? Maybe they could win one game. And uh, let me say, there's no question that in a given day, any one of those teams can beat one of the top dogs. But when they've got to beat four or five of them virtually back-to-back, I just don't see that happening. So, I mean, there's very distinct lines in it. I guess what we have to watch now as well, this is the kind of the last opportunity to change here before you get into the final three years of the quad. Mm -hmm. And uh, are some of these teams going to change lineups? We look at Team Crothers, Team McCune. Team Horgan, maybe others. Are there going to be some changes? We know for sure Horgan that uh, Hodgins is leaving. Uh, McCune, what's going to happen with that team? And, of course, Crothers uh, virtually did not have a, a fourth player. He, he picked up uh, a lead from another team. Uh, and is Brad Jacobs going to start playing with him uh, next year full-time? Those are going to be questions that we're going to be asking. So those are things I see coming out of it. I think there was good energy in that building in the final couple of days. Too bad you couldn't have that for an entire, well, I think if the event started Wednesday and ended Sunday, you could, but for 10 days, it's just too much to ask. Final attendance was about 95,000. Uh, attendance has still been sliding, sliding, sliding a little bit every year. Um, they had 5,700 in the final game, which I think is pretty good in the city of London. So over in all, I think it was a successful event, but like Kevin says, there's a bunch of things they need to look at. Uh, Warren brought up a great point, and that's the wild card in Canada is a guy by the name of Brad Jacobs. He, he'll be back, but where? Yeah. And I'd love to hear from people, their comments, like on a, send us emails as to where you think Brad Jacobs is going to land. Cause I'm excited to find out. I, I do yeah. not know what to expect, but there's a lot of different teams that Brad Jacobs could end up on either skipping or, or throwing third and could put that team right to the top of the heap, but we don't even know what team. So it's really exciting. Uh, the World Wheelchair and World Mixed Doubles Wheelchair Championship concluded this weekend in BC. Warren, who won? Who lost? Well, I guess in the end, we saw Canada in the final of the World Wheelchair, but they were defeated by China. China has done very well in World Wheelchair in the last three years. I think that's probably what the third consecutive one they have been able to capture. So Canada did very well, coming second, getting the silver medal, and the bronze medal went to Scotland. They defeated Sweden 7-4. to four. So congratulations to our Canadian silver medal winners. Mark Idison is the skip of that team, but he throws lead rocks. Gil Dash is a second. Ina Forrest is a third. And John Thorsten throws fourth stones. At the same time, we had another uh, wheelchair event going on in Richmond. 
And in that one, the gold was taken by Latvia when they defeated uh, USA by a score of 11 to 8. And Canada came up with the bronze in the uh, mixed doubles wheelchair, defeating China 13 to 11. And congratulations to Kalina Joseph and Dennis Thiessen, who were part of that Canadian team. Well, you know what? I was talking to Dana Ferguson, the coach, actually, of the mixed doubles wheelchair. Um, and uh, that mixed doubles game against China, Dana said straight out to me, you know who the best mixed doubles team in the world is? It's China. They're the best wheelchair mixed doubles. That's who Canada played in the bronze game and ended up beating them. But Kalinda Joseph, on her last one, they're three up going home. They're up 13 to 10. And she had to make a double to be able to, to hold them to a tie. She actually made the double and rolled to end up solidifying that 13-11 win that Warren's talking about. So an absolute fantastic shot. If she doesn't make the double, they lose. They, they lose. It's going to be 14-13 as a final score. Makes a double and gets the roll, hides it in there for a bronze medal. So a silver and a bronze in the wheelchair. Fantastic. And, and beating, as far as Dana's concerned, the world's best to get that bronze. That's a big deal. Uh, okay, there we go. Thanks for the update. Uh, next, the Women's Worlds. Carrie Anderson on her way to Sweden. Uh, Kev, you're going to be there. Um, I will not make the same mistake I did with the Briar. I'm picking Carrie Anderson. I'm going first. Okay, <laughs> when we do, and then after this, yes, we'll go back and see how we did with our picks with the Briar. So, but cool. Carrie's on her way. Kev, you're going to be over there. Uh, kind of a dumb question, I guess. What are her chances? But but tell us what you're thoughts are well i think her chances are are excellent um you know a lot of times when canada goes to a world championship it doesn't matter if it's in women's or men's um we don't canadians don't get there very often a lot of times because the competition is so difficult to get out of canada but in the case of both our men's and women's representatives this year there's a lot of experience carrie going for the which is her fourth straight canadian championship so i think she's ready to win uh, I, I think she's going to play really, really tough. And, uh, and, and for her, I think it's really important that she, f- she get done this obstacle. You know, she's won Canada so much, get to the world and win it. So that's what I think. She'll be ready to go. But the competition, Jim, is not easy. You've got, as far as the top shelf teams, you've got Saski Fujisawa, of course. You've got Anna Hasselborg, Alina Petz, Tabitha Peterson. These are all first class teams and then just go down one rung in my opinion and you've got Madeline Dupont out of uh, Denmark uh, Daniela Jentsch out of Germany Stefania Constantini Olympic gold medalist mixed doubles out of Italy and then Ha Sun Young out of Korea now we usually talk about um, Kim and, and Gim out of South Korea this is another top team They've got such depth in women's curling. It's incredible. And, of course, Scotland. You can never ignore Scotland. So really tough field, but I think Kerry's uh, ready for it. Let's throw it over to our devil's advocate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the big Hanson machine. 13-team uh, round robin, Warren. We just finished talking to EJ, <laughs> saying uh, you know, it's a little long. Warren's always said those events are a little long. What sort of playoff are they doing here, Warren? Well, this is a uh, congratulations to the World Federation because they're using the same playoff for their second, I think maybe third year in a row. And uh, while I may not uh, feel that warm and fuzzy about it, I think it's a lot better than what was used in both the Scotties and the Briars. So they again qualify six teams. 
But I think the key thing is here, the first and second teams, the top two teams, go straight to the Final Four playoff. They don't have to go through any playoffs before then. Then they, you have the four teams below them. And in the first round, three plays six, and the winner will go against one. And in the other game, five plays four, and the winner goes against two. And from that point, it's a straight uh, sudden death knockout, which, again, is pretty brutal. If you're that first place team and maybe have only lost one game, uh, you could end up playing a sixth place team that's maybe lost five, and it's sudden death. So this is the old system they used at the world back in the days of the Silver Broom that I never agreed with it. It was really weighted against Canada, and I still I still don't like it. But uh, it's pretty to the point clear. And uh, from that point, uh, when you get to the final four, the two winners play in the gold medal of the game, and the two losers play in the bronze. So um, that's what they're facing. Well, the best teams will win. Well, that's what EJ said, right? I'm 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 not concerned about the. They they, they will, Jim. Except in a, in a single game, anything can happen. And uh, anybody in a single game can pretty much beat anybody, certainly at that level. And so that's always the, uh, the, the danger of that. And again, it can be very imbalanced. The first place team could have lost maybe only one game. Maybe they went undefeated. And that sixth place team that could win that game against three could come in and they could have five losses. So you've all of a sudden got a, a real imbalance. Anyway, it is the way it is. And uh, hopefully it all works out uh, good in the end. Good luck to Carrie Anderson on her way over to Sweden. And uh, uh, Kev, you too. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. We dig dirt. You notice, Warren, I didn't go back to our picks, okay? I heard you. I heard you. Okay, we'll go back to our briar picks. How'd everyone do? How'd everyone do? Well, why don't you tell us how you did, Jim? Shitty. <laughs> Give us the quick wrap-up. <laughs> you, you picked Dunstan, and you picked Botcher, and you picked McCune, but you kind of got them in the wrong order. You got McCune, number one, Dunstan, number two, and Botcher, number three. So uh, you got two right. You're two out of three, right. so it's pretty good. Kevin, he got two out of three as well. And Warren, because he was forced to, he was forced to by the other two, did in the end say, okay, okay, okay. I, it's going to be very close. I'll pick Brad. So uh, Warren had Gushu, Dunstan, and Botcher in that order. Thanks to you guys. Way to go, Warren. The slow, the slow cloud. So that's my pick, okay? That was me who's insisted on that. All right. There we go. We'll do, we'll do some more picks and uh, we'll lay some bets with Sports Interaction. I will. As we said at the top of the show, the briar was this past week. As usually a lot of hot topics, Warren, you had an outpouring of hundreds of people responding to uh, your chat. Uh, there was stuff about the playoff system, lots of that. The overall length of the event, too long. When is currently Canada, the WFC, going to reduce the game to eight ends? There's been lots of talk of that. And the future of the residency rules, I don't even know what it is anymore. And who should be playing in the briar? Okay, I didn't want to do this. I told the boys last night, we've done this already. Let's start with you, Warren, then, on, on this, about these hot rock topics. Oh, boy. I don't know where to start. I mean, I think everything that, that you've mentioned is something that's an issue, and it's something that needs to be, be dealt with in some way, shape, or form. But let's go back and uh, to our guest on 
in the house, EJ, and we asked him about three of these things. The first one was the playoff system at the Briar, and his polite way was they need to do some work on it. And I, and I think that's a huge one. I think the other one that uh, just keeps gnawing everybody is when is the world in Canada going to go to the eight ends? Because uh, everything has got to be more condensed, more condensed going forward. I mean, this whole event is, is everything about it is too long. The event's too long. The games are too long. And the world we're heading to in the future is a, a condensed world. And if we want to get people under the age of 40 involved with this sport in part of it ongoing... We not only from a playing point of view have to make everything tighter, we've got to make it from a spectator point of view tighter. So however this is all going to be dealt with going forward, it, it can't keep be pushed to the side because if we do keep pushing it to the side, our numbers of people under 40 is just going to keep diminishing because we just don't have enough. And curling isn't the only sport facing this. Most of these big sports aren't attracting people under 40 because they don't like it the way it is. And the way particular Gen Zs are, if they don't like it, they simply won't do it. And so I think we've got big challenges. The whole residency thing, again, is uh, one, I, I'm on the opinion, just stand back and leave it alone. Just let people play out of wherever they want to play or take the briar and, and make it really tight and then have uh, a secondary event where you take the top six ranks and maybe uh, th three or four people from the briar and play that as the event that sends people to the worlds. But the residency rule is at the point it's, it's making everybody's head hurt. And uh, yeah. I, I think I think I they've they've got to deal with it once and for all because keep putting band aids on it. It's not fixing it. And so I think those are the key things. I mean, there's other things. Tim Hortons is no longer the title sponsor. Uh, I thought there was should have been something on the telecast the last day about thanking Tim Hortons. I, I maybe missed it, but I heard nothing. They were there for well since 2005, so probably nice 19 run. years, yep. I believe, off the top of my head. Um, we're a great sponsor, and who's going to replace them? And I think there's going to be a lot of challenges with that because of how those sponsorships are still structured. So hopefully that's going to be dealt with. Anyway, those are my quick wrap-up on those topics. Kevin, where do you sit with all this stuff? Well, I'd like to maybe go a little different direction here, you guys, and then the fun aspect of the event. Um, the Grand Slams made a great change, I don't know how many years ago now, with the Pinty's Eatwell zone at the end of the rink. Um, and that was just Ben Hebert and I having, a, having a, a drink upstairs watching curling and went, well, wait a minute here. There's a lot of wasted space. Mm -hmm. And so if we move the ice up, how big could the lounge be at the end? It turned out to be a great idea. Um, so one more step, I think, that would be really fun, uh, and it could be, it doesn't matter what uh, arena event, but you've only got four sheets of ice in play now. So to me, and the walkways between the sheets are quite wide, I'm sure we could tighten that up um, and not take away the sight lines to the close side, but then have tables all the way down on the ice, actually on ice, where, yeah. where you're right beside the players. You're, you're right there. And those would be some sort of corporate seating of some kind, fun seating, it would just be a really great atmosphere for the curlers, I think, and for the fans, of course. That's what it's all about, mm -hmm. It's the fans. Mm -hmm. The Eatwell Zone or the pub or whatever you want to call it at the end, in the Grand Slam's case, it's the uh, Pinty's Eatwell Zone. And, but then you have a whole thing down the side of tables that would be just fantastic, and, and, and it would just be an awesome uh, television view. But then also to have young kids um, come in and be able to enjoy right. it. That'd be a very different way of looking at it for young people because when you, you look at NFL football with the uh, tailgating, Jimmy, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the kids can't afford the tickets to the games. 
<laughs> because it's too right. expensive. Right. But they can sure as heck show up at 11 a.m. for a 7 o'clock game at night mm-hmm. and have a great time tailgating, wearing their team's garb, having fun. And then at you know when it comes to game time, they go watch it someplace because you know tickets are too expensive for the kids. Right. But you've got them into the game. Now, in curling in December in Saskatoon, a tailgate party might not be the best idea. Right. But what can we do to bring young people in? Well, more fun in the building. And that's kind of what I'd like to see. And, you know, that this is one step, but there's many steps, lots of things that could be done to increase the, uh, you know, I guess the, the fun for, for the fans inside the building. Warren deserves credit there, seriously, because when I, when, when I was doing those briars, Warren knew how to cook in there in that briar patch with, with good bands, you know, and not, and not just an oom-pah-pah you know, or, or, or a Celtic deal. You, you know, you booked really good acts and stuff like that. Here's the deal, boys. Okay. It, it's enough being said that, you know, you, you know, Warren and Kevin, you both agree that there has to be these changes uh, in the thing. There's, there's two things I think missing. One is the solution. Kevin gives us a good idea there, Warren, and you have to, you know, be cool if it was like the Phoenix Open on that 16th hole where you had levels of spectators, you know, yelling when guys are delivering and stuff. It'd be, it'd be mayhem. But, I think what has to happen is where, where we haven't heard from Warren is someone's going to have to get online and they're going to have to name their site thegameistoolong.com and, and lobby and get a list of people. And because we've heard from you, Warren, and all the old guard saying things got to change. But I think that's what's going to have to happen, you know, until the young kids, someone grabs it by the horns because we don't hear from them very often, Warren. I don't think, I know you you're into the Facebook, but so, you know, it was someone who told me that last night, just put a title, Instagram game is too long, sign up here, you know, and, and it's almost like lobbying Warren. Does that make any sense? Well, Jim, I'm not sure if lobbying <laughs> makes any sense. I mean, um, how long have we been hammering in the fact that needs some more discussion, that needs some more, more, uh, output from people on all this stuff, but uh, it doesn't seem to happen. And uh, we have a lot of thing happening now. When I was involved, when we made change to the playoff systems, we consulted the world, and it was uh, a couple of year discussion before the leap was finally made of weighing all the pros and cons. And it seems now like it's changed on a dime, uh, with no uh, explanation of why it's being done the way it is. So I don't know what the answer is going to be here going forward, but. But if something doesn't happen, I mean, we, we know what the situation is with, with uh, the curling clubs. And it's not just curling. Every one of these major sports are struggling to get uh, younger people into them the way they are. And, you know, I went to the Rugby Sevens event here a couple of weeks ago. And uh, without getting any detail, they've, they've hit the right number as to what they're doing and how they're doing it. And everything is tight. They're 15-minute, 14-minute mm-hmm. games. And uh, lots of fun and excitement and people in costumes and uh, and a lot of them very right. young. Everybody's got to start to try to find what the sweet spot is, but I don't think, certainly with curling, we haven't hit it yet. Rumor had it, uh, the, I think one of the big questions, Kevin, is is why did Tim Hortons pull out? Uh, I've, I've got a buddy who owns a bunch of them, and uh, I know they, they're not real big, without giving names, they're not real big on the new ownership. Uh, and I heard, rumor had it that the, the franchise owners, a bunch of them voted against it. I wonder why, Kev, they pulled out, do you know? You know I, I do not know. No, no, no. You would have a better inside track than me. But first of all, 
thanks to Tim Hortons. I, I agree with Warren. Yeah, there no should have kidding. been a big deal on the weekend to thank them for their years, um, which were absolutely fantastic. And, you know, corporations have to make decisions, and a lot of them are tough decisions. And this would have been a tough one for them, but I, I, I do not have any inside track, Jimmy. And uh, But those are, those. I'm sure that somebody like your buddy who owns a whole pile of them, he would have say, that person would have say, I'm, I'm sure. Why not? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Any rumor, Warren, that you heard? If you had to pick a reason why Tim Hortons pulled out, would you have any idea, Warren? Well, again, as Kevin says, internally with uh, incorporations, there's things going on all the time. And of course, I remember with Labatt, we had Labatt for 21 years, and I was very closely involved with that. And they also had to step back. But just the company started to change how they were doing things. And times change, and where you're going to focus is going to change. Uh, very much depending upon the demographic of the company as to who they see the key, key, key target is for them. And that's going to determine as well where they're going to invest their money. And maybe they feel that the demographic of the sport of curling is, is not where they want to be anymore. Who knows? But uh, I think, again, like you said, uh, they should be congratulated for being there for 19 years. And uh, we're hoping that uh, Curling Canada is able to come up with a, a, a good replacement. Yeah, and there may be a new sheriff in town there with Tim Horton, so... Okay, Warren, here's my other thought before we go, okay? Here's how you get the best teams at the Briar, Kevin and Warren. Okay, you have a 30-team pre-qualifier, and the top 10 teams out of that go to the Briar. So teams can come from anywhere they want. I don't know how you pick the 30, but you get all the best 30 teams, and then you have this. Uh, it's, it, I've got, there's a little, there's a little uh, crease in it, Warren, I haven't figured out. It's a 28-day spiel okay so it's a little long okay. <laughs> you gotta play a 29 game round robin okay and uh 12 end games yeah yeah 12 end games yeah you, you can uh you can tackle okay you can do all sorts of things to try and get in but uh anyway save your comments for next show fellas thanks a lot to everybody for listening pack show thank you to ej harding congratulations to him and Brad Guju and, and Matt Dunstone for making it to the final and all the other teams. And like Kevin said, London did a wonderful job, so uh, way to go. Uh, we also want to thank Rod Pulse and his company, In-House Strategies, uh, for all the great work he does on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Uh, and he manages a bunch of our emails, and so do you, Warren. Uh, if you don't belong to the Facebook group, uh, get in there, join up. Uh, we'd love to have you and express your opinion. Drop us an email, insidecurling at gmail.com, and we may read your email on air. We do it each and every week. We uh, love to uh, get input from all the listeners. Um, the show this year has uh, four segments, what's happening around the curling world, hot rock topics, mailbag, and our guest segment. Which segment do you like best and which one the least? And would you like us to add another segment possibly? I have veto power, by the way, you guys, on all of it. Okay, <laughs> I decide. Uh, but we do like to hear from you. We do like to know what, what you like and don't like. Thanks again to Sports Interaction, Coyote, Boost, Goldline, who make all of this possible. Nice job, boys. Briar in the books. It's curling season. Next up, uh, the Women's Worlds. Kev, you're on your way. And then after that, it'll be the Men's Worlds and then Grand Slams. and Bada, bada, boom. We're, we're off and rolling. Uh, take it easy, fellas. Have a good week. Don't get mad at me anymore, Warren. Okay, I'm sensitive. Okay, I'm sensitive. Don't shoot down my idea. <laughs> See you, Kevin. See you, Warren. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Bye-bye.